Hello and welcome to our first ever On Mission video podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Jones, and today I have the privilege of being joined by our lead pastor, Rick Nicely, and as he often describes her, his lovely bride, Michelle. Michelle is also a women's discipleship group leader and a realtor in the area. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. We're doing good. Great, Kenny. Good to we see you, have man. Talked a lot. We have talked a lot about looking for different ways that we could engage with you during this time. And so we're going to use this platform to do some interviews of our elders over the course of the next few weeks. And then probably later on, we're going to start to introduce some of the aspects of our bylaws that are going to come into play when we become, when we become autonomous in August. First thing I want to do is ask Rick and Michelle how they've been doing during this time of quarantine. You guys have had to make some adjustments. Rick, you've been preaching from your home. Michelle, you're a realtor, so I know you have had to make some adjustments yourself in terms of your business. And then I know there's been some big changes with the kids being home and how you guys are conducting homeschool. So just tell me what you guys have been doing over the last few weeks. Sure. Um, I will just briefly say something about the home and then Really, Michelle has done a f phenomenal job with our girls in that area. So our kids go to um, a private school. And so obviously everyone's shutting down uh, within the first week or so. Michelle already kind of had a schedule laid out. I'll let her describe that some. And so that's been great. I think for us, um, just finding some quiet time, we're, we're kind of in the middle to the smaller house. And so finding some a time where we can get away and do what we need to do for our job really tough because uh, I feel like I have a shepherd's heart and just being away from the people, not being among the people has been really tough for me. Um, I'm a people person, so that's been uh, kind of tough. I feel many times feel anxious. I want to do more, uh, obviously, with the social distancing as well as the smaller groups. You can't do that. Um, so we're, we're trying to be as creative as possible. We may have some things coming down the line uh, to do uh, that we can see all our people, but still follow all the government guidelines. Uh, preaching, it's been, it's been difficult. Um, I'm used to, again, seeing people, interacting with them, seeing facial expressions, uh, obviously before and after sermons, loving on people. And so just looking into a computer screen has been very different. And I've just tried to make it like I'm talking to one person, uh, just talking to a friend, obviously it's not dialogue. Uh, it's just a monologue, but, uh, I would love to have more of that interaction, but for the time being, that's, that's what we're, what we have. And so we're, we're going with it, and it seems like the people are responding and staying engaged, so we're thrilled with that. So I'll let Michelle talk more about the home life. Yes, we've had to make adjustments, but they're not bad adjustments. They're adjustments that we make because it uh, makes it more comfortable or just so our days go a little bit more smoother for everyone. Um, thankfully, um, we're a good tag team together, and so um, I just woke up one 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 evening i said honey i want to rearrange it the house so that we can make a school room and the girls can just stay on schedule um, i did a schedule for them so um we did that so that they have a comfortable place to start each morning and have their school day um and we each have our own places where we can work so it's it's not a bad thing i think for me as wife and mom it's a dream to have everybody at home all day which I kind of love. Um, um, as as a real estate agent, um, I am doing a lot virtually. Thankfully, the homes that I have listed during this time are vacant, um, which may, has made it easier for me. Um, God has continued to bless, and He, 
I take whatever he sends my way. So um, I'm just waiting on him, you know, taking the leads as they come in and doing what I normally do. And um, we're having to overcome and improvise, but that, that's what we do as agents. So thanks for asking. I know I've gotten to talk to you guys a number of times on, on some of our meetings and then uh, in some of the other, you know, things we've done to, to serve the people of Caroline. But I know for our church family who only gets to really just see Rick on, a, you know, staring into the computer screen, this is great to hear from you guys and to hear that uh, things are going well for you and to see your smiling faces. Rick, I want to turn to talk about your faith. I met you for the first time in about 2005. I had just moved to the area and I was in a golf tournament with my yeah. small group from our big church. And you were the guest speaker that day and you shared your testimony. And we didn't become friends that day and, and, and it would be many years before we really became close, but I was absolutely impacted by that testimony. So could you share your testimony now with us? Sure, absolutely. Thanks for asking, Kenny. Um, you know, I grew up in a great home. Um, many of you know my parents and they're sweet people. And, you know, my dad came out of a really tough home situation and early in their marriage, they decided to follow Christ. And so they raised us in the church and it was a great, I had three older sisters and one younger and lived in a small town. But to be honest, uh, church was, uh, was very, for me, very religious. Uh, it was uh, more of something I had to do. Um, and then um, it wasn't until I got on my own and went through some very difficult times that I really was born again and my faith became my own. So in my early 20s, I went through a very personal hardship and trial in my life. And at the time I was playing um, a post-college football, kind of a, a semi-professional football league. And when that when that personal tri uh, trial went came about in my life, it was, it was one of those things that was devastating. And so God just really got a hold of me. And for the first time, I surrendered my life to Christ. And I remember I was still, I was in my living room. I got down on my knees and for the first time, I just said, God, I'm, I'm tired of running. I know you're the answer. And I gave my life to Christ. No one was around. No preacher was around. I wasn't listening to the sermon. I'd heard the truth and uh, began to read the Bible for the first time, really. I just started devouring it. As I read it, I began to memorize the scripture. I began to pray and fast. And I never really knew what that was like. I, I read Isaiah 58 and began to understand that God used that in a powerful way in my life. I, I had some addictions and God broke me free of those things. And there were lots of things that God was doing in my life. And I'd always heard if you share your faith, then you'll grow in your faith. And so I was working out at the time a lot, um, stayed in great shape. And I, I met these guys in the gym and um, started sharing my faith with them. I come to find out that they were Christians and so they invited me to be involved in Young Life. And so for the first couple of years of my journey, I uh, really got mentored by these guys. I got discipled by them. I started understanding what accountability was for my life, understanding the importance of God's word and prayer, and really sharing my faith. As I served, I really grew um, in my faith. And all the things I wanted to happen in my faith as I began to serve students had happened. And so that's that's kind of the beginning of my journey. And uh, I think uh, my calling, I want to talk about that a little later and how we met, um, how Michelle and I met, but that's kind of the how it happened. And everything radically changed at that point. Uh, what was really cool was even though I was in the midst of some hardship and, and trial in my life, I saw lots of my friends around me get saved. And so it was really cool. Uh, God brought me through that. But that was the beginning of my faith. Michelle, for as long as I have known you, and I, I just noticed there's something on that coffee mug. What? There's something about your husband on that coffee mug, Michelle. What does it say? What does it, it say? Says, I can't read it. My husband, 
My husband is hotter than my coffee. <laughs> you know, she didn't Lindsay tell you she's drinking known- iced coffee right now. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay and I have known you guys for a long time, and we have always enjoyed how real you are, uh, how much you love on each other, and you, Michelle, specifically, have been just a incredible blessing to the women, both at Spots of Baptist Church and now at Spots with Lady Smith. So would you mind sharing your faith and, and how you came to know the Lord? As a very young child, um, I followed a sibling down the aisle, prayed to receive Christ, was baptized. Um, but between that time and my adult life, there was a lot of heartache. In 1993, I went away to World Life Bible Institute. It was March of that year that I really started to understand the gospel and the story of redemption. And it was in March that I, um, I repented of my sins. I confessed my belief in Christ and decided to, that I was going to be one who was going to abide in the word and be set free from the uh, decisions I had made and um, things in my life. And so that's what I consider to be my, my story of salvation when I really became, um, serious about my walk with Christ and learning to walk in him and his ways instead of my own desires. And so at Word of Life, it's there that I was discipled and really started to understand the grand narrative of the scriptures and to really fall in love with um, the Bible and the God of the Bible, who really um, had his grace in his hand upon me my whole life. And I, I, I never really realized it until, um, I got to know him and be in the word more. So, um, that's my story. So in 1993 is when I really feel like is I gave my life to the Lord and he set me free and he's been doing a work in my life ever since. And this week on our social media, as we were uh, promoting this interview, we saw a picture of when you guys were younger, when you guys were, I, I won't guess it how long ago this <laughs> was. And then there was a beautiful picture oh, wow. of the two of you now. So kind of a, a then and now. So tell us about how you guys met each other. Uh, to kind of finish out some of that story I was telling you about, I, I volunteered for Young Life for several years and really felt um, like God may be calling me to ministry. And the guys with, with me, Young Life, kind of confirmed that. And so I pretty much sold. I had, a, I had been working for at a shipyard as a machinist, uh, first-class machinist. I had a two-year degree in mechanical technology. And and God, of course, radically changed my direction. I was going to get my engineering degree and to get my MBA. And my goal was just to try to make as much money as possible. And God radically changed all that. I sold everything I had except for a little Chevy Cavalier and filled that up and went to Liberty University uh, in 1994. And so took a semester of classes. And I remember God really working on my heart during Christmas time and really kind of went through a real uh, lonely time. And uh, I didn't know if um, God would allow me to get married. And um, and so just prayed and prayed. And finally, I just kind of felt released. It was just me and God the rest of my life. I was good with that. I was, uh, I was an older student and just kind of felt awkward sometimes being at Liberty, but I knew God had called me there. So the next semester, I signed up for the worst class and the best class at the same time. It was humanities. Uh, it was uh, not my class that I, I had something I had to take. So I took it, but I remember uh, several classes in uh, this incredibly beautiful lady I saw in class and I saw long flowing hair and it caught my attraction, uh, caught my attention. But I will say that at that time, I realized there were 
a lot of ladies on campus that were outwardly uh, maybe attractive, but um, they didn't really have a, a, a vibrant walk with the Lord. And so one day uh, the teacher asked for someone to pray and Michelle volunteered and she prayed. And when I heard her prayer, that's when it really captured my heart. So that was kind of the story. And then I went over and introduced myself uh, one time and got her last name, uh, looked her name up in our little uh, directory and uh, uh, I called her. And so she was out of, um, she was out of town for the weekend. And then, so I waited till Sunday night, kind of, we had to be back on campus. I called her again and her roommate said that she had gotten sick with the chicken pox. Uh, she was doing some childcare and a young uh, child had it. And so anyway, um, I knew she'd be gone for about a week. And she said this, she goes, but she told me if you called that she would be back in a week. And I'm like, yes. All right. So I wrote her a get well card. And, uh, and then I called her a week later and she happened to get, that was the first thing she got when she was on campus. So we talked for like two hours that first night and we haven't looked back since. Um, we served in different ministries throughout the summers apart. And then the third summer, she's like, if we're getting married, you need to stay in town. So I listened like a good boy. Can we backtrack? I want to, I want to backtrack just a minute and I want to get Michelle's initial impression of this guy in class and and what's your what's your perspective mm-hmm. your your telling of the story if you will he did he came over to me that morning right after um in class and we began talking and i went back to my my room after that and i told my roommate her name was miranda i said miranda you need to make sure I'm up every Tuesday and Thursday for humanities. I met this really hot guy and I don't <laughs> want to miss it. And That's you know, good, Kenny, huh? the next day, that was a Tuesday. And the next day I went out and I bought a red dress because Thursday was coming and I wanted him to notice me. It worked. <laughs> it worked. It That's worked. the That's truth of it, Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> it so I want to move on to hearing about how you got called to the ministry, Rick. Uh, and then if you want to, as you, as you tell yeah. that story and then how that filters into mm-hmm. your call to be a church planner. So, uh, as I was saying before, involved in young life and just really got a heart for students. And what I found out is that as I began to serve students and try to share my faith, one, I realized I didn't have all the answers. So I began to read God's word ferociously and, and dig into it. I also realized for the first time I couldn't change anybody working with these students. I had to begin to pray for their hearts that God would draw them. Uh, and then also I realized they're watching me. And so how I live my life is really important, you know, and not just in front of them, but outside that. Of course, those were days before we had social media, but uh, we were in high schools and we were around them. So they saw me pretty regularly. Um, and again, all that was built around my discipleship by these guys. We got in the word on a weekly basis or got studied weekly basis, got in the word daily and really became accountable. I think this is the first time I really understood what accountability was and really became myself uh, vulnerable to them and told them all my struggles. And so that that really, really helped me uh, be more consistent in my walk with the Lord. So after they confirmed that calling, I, again, I, I applied to Liberty, got accepted, went to Liberty in 94. At first, I thought I was going to go kind of in the counseling area. Um, and then as I got there, I started taking youth classes and realized I really felt called to student ministry. So uh, we both graduated in 97 and got married that fall. And really for the first year, um, our pre-mail counseling said, hey, why don't you guys not do ministry full-time for a year? 
as you adjust to marriage life. And I think that was a great call for us. Best decision ever. Yeah. And so, um, believe it or not, we didn't even have a TV back then. So we didn't have a TV. We just uh, focused. We served, but we did it on a volunteer basis. And then um, we just enjoyed marriage, enjoyed life. And uh, both of us had vocations we were working at. And so we did that. And then about a year later, I just felt like, um, I was I was in the corporate world and uh, I got some offers and some really good offers and I mean it meant probably moving to New York or somewhere in a, near a big city and I, I turned that down I felt like it was a distraction felt like it was really a temptation and so right after that we started um, seeing where God would work and going to church in, in Richmond for three years and we had dear friends that we served with there that were still staying in contact with um, the senior pastor and he a large church in Arkansas now. And then in, in, in the end of 2004, we knew God was moving us and we had prayed about it. A God uh, recommended a couple churches. Spotswood was one of them and didn't know anything about Fredericksburg or Spotswood other than the traffic that we came through here. Other was, than when we said coming home from Liberty to home in Maryland, my home in Maryland, we said we would sit on Route 3 in 90. 95, 96, and say, we are never going to live in a town that has this busy traffic. Yeah. And look where we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it took us there. So we uh, fast forward, you know, we interviewed in the end of 2004, and Brother Bob, who was the senior pastor at Spotswood at the time, they hired us. And so we started in January of 2005 as a student pastor. And I, to be honest, like, I, I just felt called to student ministry. I always felt like that'd be a, that one of these guys who'd be in their 70s still doing student ministry. But I know in 2006, we started working with church planners all across the country, uh, from the West Coast, uh, Canada, to Midwest, to even eventually coming back here in D.C. and Philly uh, for several years in a row, to see across our country and how they were planning churches. And I, I will tell you, I had a real heart for church planning in the sense I wanted to help, but I had no desire to plan a church in the sense of being the main guy, because I think I'd always see myself as an Aaron uh, not as a Moses, and um, but God was about to change that. Um, so in the end of 2006, um, 16, I'm sorry, 2016, uh, Pastor Drew from Main Campus uh, approached me. We had talked about for many years planning churches in different locations. I finally landed in the Ladysmith area, um, and so we had done some drive-through prayers and stuff like that as a staff. And so he approached me and said, how about this? And so to be honest, at first, you know, I wasn't necessarily thrilled with the idea, but um, God really got a hold of my heart through that. And uh, what I realized is when I said yes to Jesus in around 91, 92, um, and, and put my yes on the table, I realized I had to keep that yes on the table. Um, I couldn't take it off. And so whatever God called me to do, I would have to do. Um, what's, what's cool is my life verse is in Matthew 16, 24 through 26. And Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. If whoever wants to save it will lose it. And whoever loses his life for me will find it. For what will profit a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? And what I don't want to do is get to the end of my life and not look back and think, oh, you know, I didn't make this certain certain amount of money or live in this house or drive this car or have this property or power prestiges. I just don't want to miss God's call. And so I, I kept the yes on the table and Michelle and I prayed through it. And we accepted the call and God's done incredible work. And we're, we're thrilled to be a, a part of what God is doing mm -hmm. in Ladysmith and in Caroline County. Mm -hmm. So you're listening to on mission, a Spotswood at Ladysmith podcast. 
More coming up in just a moment. This reminder, you can find us online at SpotswoodLS.org. That's SpotswoodLS.org. Now back to host Kenny Jones and his guests. Michelle, I want to go back to you just for a minute. I want to hear about our women's discipleship groups. We've had an incredible response to that. We, you never know, right, when you have an idea for, for discipleship or, or something at the church, a Bible study, and we have had an incredible response, and, and you've been part of that leadership team. So can you tell us uh, about what put that on your heart and, and what, what that's been like at our church? Absolutely. Thank you for, that's a great question. Um, first of all, I want to say that this discipleship process, it's exactly that. This is a, this is a process, not a program that will stop. This is, um, women being in the word together, holding each other accountable, um, for scripture reading, um, prayer time, scripture memory, accountability, and pursuing holiness. This is a lifestyle that we are helping um, will take root in our, in our lives as women. Um, so it, I guess it began of those men, you know, as a peer group, we were doing a book study together, a lot of scripture involved. Um, and when that year ended, um, I asked ladies the next year to be a part of a discipleship group with me because I was really becoming like passionate about discipleship. And um, I knew God was doing something. I didn't know exactly what, but I was excited to be a part of it. And I want to say um, more than anything that the ladies of our church and our body, um, they have wanted to be together. They've wanted to share life together. They are a respectable, loving group of women that I am just so fortunate to be among. And so I want to preface that, preface this by saying just that, because it works because of the hearts of these women. Mm. Um, I, I love them. I love being among them. I love what God is doing in their hearts. And I love what God is doing in my heart with them. Um, so um, last year, they at the women's leadership team asked me to speak um, at our fall retreat. And um, when, we, when we first started church planning, my heart was really hungry to be in the word and to make changes in my life, as well as um, find out how I could really minister to the women at Spotswood at Ladysmith. And so I heard of some other women who were doing the Biblical Women's Institute at Southeastern. And I, I thought, wow, that's exactly what I wanted. And so I enrolled in the Biblical Women's Institute to earn a certificate in women's studies. And um, the discipleship has been the recurring theme in many of my classes. And that was not by accident. God started doing this as a work in our hearts and then in my heart individually. And so when they asked me to speak last fall, I knew exactly what I was going to speak on. It was going to be on discipleship. And I asked the women's ministry team if they would get on board with me and we could um, form a discipleship type um, process and they were all for it. And so um, the ladies on the women's ministry team, they pulled our women. Um, we have a, in place now in January, we started and we have 11 leaders in place who are leading over 50 women um, in, our, in our church. And it has been just a beautiful thing. And I can only, I can say this because um, I touch base with those 11 leaders on a regular basis, and I touch base with uh, many of our women 
um, on a weekly basis. And then of course, three to four times a week, I am meeting with my discipleship group and I am just hearing um, beautiful testimonies of women who are abiding in the word and the, and the truth is setting them free, just like the promise of John 8, 31 and 32. You know, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and the truth is what's going to be, it's what's going to set us free. And so I'm so thankful, not just for what the Lord did and Rick and the elders hearts to lead us this way, but um, what he's been teaching me through Southeastern, but also um, just the women and how they have a true heart's desire to be in the word and to see their lives changed, um, not just for their own personal gain, but for the benefit of their family. And so um, I just praise God. Um, th this is nothing like of myself. This has been a team effort on so many levels. Um, and I, I'm just thankful to be a part of it. And I'm thankful to be the recipient that gets to hear the testimonies of growth, just like within their groups, but also personally when they call or send me messages and say, Michelle, you're not going to believe what this discipleship has done for me. And I can assuredly say, yes, I will believe it because I know the God who is teaching us and he's doing the same thing in my life. So hmm. it's, it's just been a huge blessing. Awesome. That's great. And it's, it's amazing that, uh, I mean, that, again, just the response we've had, the women being so excited about that opportunity to come together. And mm. I think that's probably been one of the best stories of the year for us at, at Spotswood at Ladysmith, the, the Women's Discipleship mm. Program. Yeah. And I, I know now for, it, it is. Yeah, it, you're right. I'm sorry. It's the one word. It's the process, not a program. We, we, we don't, we try not to, uh, we, we are, one of our big things at Spotswood at Ladysmith is we're not big on programs, right? We're big on discipleship, we're big on Bible studies, right. on community, uh, not programs. So thank you for correcting Michelle. I appreciate it. So I do, I do want to transition <laughs> on to the, uh, the thing that everyone I know is, you know, this is, this testimony has been incredible hearing your heart, hearing your heart for Caroline and, and hearing how God brought you to us and, and brought you together. Uh, but I know also people are very excited yeah. about what you're about to talk about. We have been for the last many months yeah. working on a path to autonomy and a big part of that is that we will, uh, we'll have a new name when we become autonomous and later this summer. So if you would share with us what God put on your heart, that story, and then the big reveal. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, really from the very beginning, you know, obviously the church had to have a name. And so um, in this process, we're going through the mother church. And so I didn't know if we were going to get the kind of put our own name from the get go, or that would happen over time. Of course, uh, the consensus was let's let's keep some type of label with Spotswood because the reputation of Spotswood in the community was a good one, and we wanted to carry that down. And so we, that's what we did. And but even before that, even before we kind of um, had given our yes uh, to to God and to Drew, we had begun to pray about it and ask about it. And so I was reading a, a bedtime story, or I was reading the Action uh, Bible, the bedtime story time for our girls, and. We were reading the story of Joshua in, in that uh, action Bible. And so it was one of those things as I began to read it, you know, God really kind of drew me in through this action Bible, reminded me of the story of, of Exodus and Moses and how uh, obviously we, we talked about the Passover a few weeks ago, but how dramatic that was that God used the Passover to set his uh, his people free and then took them to the Red Sea. And then there was just dramatic scene when 
the Egyptians were pursuing and, and God held them off. And then Moses holds up his staff and parts the water and they go through on dry ground. And of course, the Egyptians that were pursuing them got washed out and, and were killed. And so just this dramatic um, story where you fast forward 40 years and a new leader was taken over, Joshua. And the way uh, that went about was different. You know, the priest held the the Ark of the Covenant, they had to step into the water. It was almost like a group obedience thing, and they did it together, and then the waters parted. And so even though it wasn't less dramatic, it was just different. And so God was laying on my heart during that time was, it's similar but different. Yes, parting the waters, yes, advancing his kingdom, but it's different how you're going about it. And so the more and more I thought about it, I thought, well, Caroline's a different place, so how we're going to do ministry what it's going to look like, even the atmosphere itself is going to be different. So similar, but different. And so we're still advancing God's kingdom. We're still making disciples. We're still planting churches, but it's going to look different. And so we see at the end of that scene with uh, Joshua, he says he takes out these stones and puts them on uh, the side of the bank and says to actually sleep with them or sleep near them to be among them as a, a testimony, as a monument of not only what God has done, but what he's going to do. And so this this idea of River Rock came to my mind. So the 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 name of the church is going to be River Rock Church, and uh, I shared that with some uh, local friends that I have in the area uh, a while back, and they were thrilled about the name. They thought it was perfect, just because you know uh, Caroline's a more of a rural area. And then if you look at it geographically, it's actually hemmed in with a few rivers. So you got the Rappahannock on the east, you got the North Anna on the west, and then you have many connecting on the south border. So it's really cool how God brought all that together. And so River Rock Church Caroline will actually be the actual name of the church. Well, there it is, Spotswood at Ladysmith. Uh, River Rock Church Caroline will be our, our new name when we relaunch uh, later this summer. I want to thank Rick and Michelle. Thank you for being our first guest on the On Mission mm -hmm. podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this time. I know we as a church have enjoyed hearing from you hearing the story of, of, of how you came to faith and how you met each other and, and became a pastor. But again, I, I just want to thank you guys for joining us today. Thank you for having us, Kenny. Kenny, we love you. And we thank you for allowing us to share our hearts today. And hopefully this will be an encouragement to our people and, and the people in Caroline. So can I just say how much we miss you all and we yeah. love you and we're praying for you on a regular basis, uh, not just for your protection, but also that you're taking time to grow in the word as we're apart. We love you. Well, I know I can speak for my family and, and for our church family. We love you guys as well. And, and we're so happy to, to be able to, to do life with you guys and to serve with you guys and Caroline. Mm. And I want to thank all of you for joining us in our first On Mission podcast. We will be back next week. We're going to meet some of our, our current elders. I also want to give a special shout out to our producer, Pete Stover, who has made everything possible from the day we went into quarantine until now, and we are blessed to have him as part of our church. I hope you'll join us next week. Rick's going to join me as my co-host next week, and we'll start to work through our elders. And like I said, in the next few months, we're going to work through some of the issues or some of the topics that are pertinent to the bylaws and what it'll look like when we become our own church in later this summer. So thank you for joining us and being here with us today. Grace and peace.